This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. We're going to have a great guest on today. We've got Kate Conte coming on and talk to her about her latest mystery book, this Cat Cafe mystery series that everybody knows and loves so well. The new book's called uh, Tell Tell Heart. So we're going to see all the, uh, talk a little bit about the characters and the premise of the book and what we can expect without giving it all away. Also, uh, talk a little bit about the, uh, the writing styles and how to put a, a gem of a book together like this. So uh, it's going to be a great show. So thanks for everybody uh, listening today. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break and listen to our sponsors. And from there, we'll come back and continue our conversation. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Doggo Suds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Doggo Sud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Doggo Suds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Joining us today is author Kate Conte. Talk to us about her latest book, Tell Tell Heart. Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, well, we're glad to have you back. And this is the, uh, from my understanding, the third in the series of the uh, Cat Cafe Mystery Series. Uh, Yes. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about about the book uh, Telltale Heart and uh, how it ties into some of the other uh, the, the previous two and what we should expect without giving away all the, the good stuff. Absolutely. So this was a really fun book to write. So as you guys know, the Cat Cafe Mysteries take place on a fictional Massachusetts island that's based loosely on Cape Cod. And it was an interesting place for me to, to put a cat cafe because typically, if you know anything about cat cafes, they are usually in urban areas. Um, where people either can't have pets because of, you know, apartments or space or that sort of thing, or they just don't have time for them and they just want to go pet cats. But this is a little bit of a different, a different model. So I have the cat cafe working with the local animal shelter, which, you know, is only one small building. And so the person who's in charge of the shelter really wanted somewhere to, to house the cats because they don't like being in with all the dogs in the shelter. So that's where the cat cafe came in. And so over the course of the first couple of books, my protagonist, Maddie, comes back to the island. She's never planning on staying. She's actually living out in California. She owns a juice bar out there with with a friend of hers, um, and she's actually back for a funeral. But during the course of the funeral in the first book, her grandfather's house, which is the site of the cat cafe beginning in the second book, she finds out that her grandfather's house is in danger of being taken away from him. And so... Through a course of events, um, she ends up helping her grandfather save the house. She ends up staying on the island, and she ends up opening a cat cafe in the house with her grandfather's help, and her business partner from California also relocates. So it's kind of a family affair. And as part of all of this, you know, there's a bunch of quirky characters on the island, including someone that she's always met, she's always called Leopard Man. He dresses from head to toe in leopard gear. He's a really fun character, and he kind of walked onto the scene in the first book, and he speaks only Shakespeare. And I just thought he was going to be kind of one of those characters that's in the wings, but he ended up staying. And so in book three, The Telltale Heart, 
he has a pretty big role in the story, which was really fun for me to kind of bring him to life and figure out what he was up to and what his real story is and, you know, get him involved in a mystery and get people, let people get to know him a bit better. Absolutely. And in this one, I, I don't think I'm giving this away. There is a famous author who is killed off. Yes. He, there's a, there's a gentleman that's been on the island. He comes every year, but Maddie doesn't really know this because she's not really up on her fiction authors like all of us are. And so this guy has been, this is the off, this book takes place in the off season. Um, who's actually been coming to work in her cafe and she doesn't even realize who it is until her sister points it out to her. And that's the, the actual, the day that he's killed is when she realizes who he is. So in her mind, she's got this you know, idea that when his next movie is made, he's going to give props to her cafe and her cat. And, you know, she's already thinking about the marketing materials. But unfortunately, he gets killed before he finishes his latest project. Though she didn't know who he was, they had uh, she had hopes that something good would come of this. Because when I first read it, I thought maybe, you know, being a writer myself, maybe there's some fictional, uh, like, real-life author that I have in the back of my head that maybe if I could, in a polite way, kill him off in one of my books. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't really have anybody in mind. I, I really love all of my friends in the mystery community. I wouldn't do that. Um, I just thought it would be interesting to, you know, put a writer in a position of, you know, the story that he is on the island to write, um, you know, it becomes really important later in the book. And so I just thought it would be an interesting, I've never killed a writer before. So I needed to figure out how that felt. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, don't be surprised if you get some calls saying, wait a minute, this sounds yep. cool. <laughs> so the characters you have. Not. Yeah, exactly. So the characters you have, tell me, uh, we'll get in a little bit more about uh, without giving away the the book itself, Telltale Heart, but I want to dig into these characters a little bit. As a uh, writer and writing the third in a series, how do you really determine which characters have a new life or a continued life from one book to the other and when you need to bring on a new character or two? Yeah, it's really interesting because when usually for books like these, they come in threes, right? So you're writing a proposal for three books and you're kind of putting in the characters that you're thinking are going to be part of the town. And then as you're writing the books, these characters either change or go away or new ones come in or, you know, you just have to figure out who fits and, and why. And, and a lot of times they sort of talk to, they, in my case, and I think it's the case for a lot of writers, and you being a writer, you would know this, but they talk to you, right? So if somebody, you know, that you're thinking of comes on the page and starts really taking over you know that's obviously a character that's going to stay this happened to me in my other series i had written in this quirky couple and i just thought they were going to be again part of the fabric of the town maybe making some cameos here and there but they ended up being major characters in all of the books and so you know this is this is happening in this series as well it's a, it's a little bit newer you know maddie's just coming back to the island she's got some ideas in her head from of all the people that she they're still there from when she was younger before she moved away but but there's also, she doesn't know them anymore, really. You know, she only knows what she knew as a kid, and that's a lot different than what you know as an adult or what you find out as an adult. And so it's been an interesting process for me to develop the characters myself while having Maddie also kind of figure out who they are after all these years. Yeah, and so I know you have to fall in love with some of these characters, you know, and, and build this great rapport with them, even though they're just fictional characters. How do you decide which ones that uh, you're going to, we'll say, kill off, <laughs> not physically or, or, you know, that you're going to kill off? And then how do you determine when a, a character's scene is done? Because like you said, these come in series of threes, but is there a plan for a fourth and fifth? And if so, do these characters carry on from there? funny that you mentioned that. I just wrote a proposal. I finished a proposal today for three more books. 
And, you know, as far as the main characters, I think the ones that I've already set up in the book are pretty much here to stay. There's one that I'm kind of toying with that, and I won't tell you who, because I don't want to, you know, in case it doesn't happen the way I'm thinking about it. But there is a main character that I'm thinking about maybe doing something with. I don't know if I'll kill him, but we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's just the way the stories develop. You know, I I can kind of start a book with an idea in my head of where they're going to go. And a lot of times it turns out differently just based on what I find out as as I'm writing. There you go. And that's the thing that I always found fascinating is when, you know, let's look at it from a selfish standpoint as a writer. If you can land a 25-book deal, <laughs> then I'm sure from a selfish <laughs> standpoint, yeah, it'd be great to you know just continue writing the mysteries. But there does come a time, I think, when characters, especially key characters, that a writer feels that, you know, it's it they've fulfilled their purpose in this series or these novels. I'm assuming that that is uh, correct in your case when you're writing these. For sure. You know, and, and maybe it's not as dire as they have to die, but maybe they move away or, you know, maybe they just start taking a backseat as newer people come to town. But yeah, I don't think everybody has a story every time, just like people in your life, right? They don't, they're not always taking center stage. It sort of revolves based on what's going on with whoever, right? Exactly. And sometimes you have to go back from Cape Cod, go back to California and continue your juice empire, your juice bar empire. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, actually, I think Maddie was thinking about trying to bring her franchise over to the East Coast. So we'll see if she if she makes that happen in the next book. There you go. There you go. That's exciting. So when putting together a Telltale Heart, are there certain things you can share with the audience that you think are interesting and exciting without giving it away? Or are there things that this one has a uh, new twist you know, compared to uh, the other previous two in the series? Yeah. So what I really love about this book is it, also, it tackles not only the mystery at hand, which is the dead writer, but as Maddie is trying to figure out why this guy died and, and if it had, you know, just the fact that he his last hours were spent in her cafe makes her feel like she has a stake in this, in this mystery. So as she's trying to solve this, her investigation leads her to an old mystery, which was also relevant to this writer's life. And it's part of why he was, he was killed. So I I love doing, I've I've done that again in my, my other series written under my, my real name. There was one book where I had used a present day murder to also solve a past murder. And it was, it was really satisfying to do. And so without actually knowing I was doing that, I ended up doing it in this book. All right. Well, I tell you what, we're going to take a quick commercial break here. We're going to come back and talk to, uh, talk to you a little bit more about the book, new book, uh, Telltale Heart. And I'll put that little teaser in there that your previous series, you had your real name. So I want to talk a little bit about how do you determine uh, a pen name and, and when that decision is made. So everybody hang tight. We're going to come back right after these commercial breaks. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit, stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. 
In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Talk to uh, Kay Conti about her latest book, uh, Tell Tell Heart, a uh, series in the uh, Cat Cafe Mystery Series. Now, tell us a little bit about, I, I put the little teaser out there. You had a previous series. Tell us the name of the, the previous series and your real name. <laughs> sure. So my real name is Liz McGavro. Um, I Under that name, I write the Positively Organic Gourmet Pet Food Mysteries. And I also have a new series coming out under that name probably next summer. So how does a writer then, we'll talk about pen names, and you know, I know oftentimes if they, uh, I, you know, I've talked to writers in the past, obviously, and authors in the past, and perhaps if they've done writing for uh, magazines and publications of that sort, they'll write under one name, and then if they're writing uh, fictional uh, pieces and books, they'll have a pen name, and perhaps even a third name if they're doing something a little bit more, say, uh, serious, uh, like white papers and research projects. How did you come about uh, determining, okay, for this series, I need to have a, a little bit different name. And what's the pros and cons of that? Because obviously, you, you've built this uh, great reputation on the uh, previous books and series that you put together. Yeah, so it's it's similar, right? So in this case, I needed to have a pen name because under my first contract, under my original name, I couldn't write mysteries under that name for any other publishing house. So the okay. Cafe Mysteries is with a different publishing house. So I have a pen name for that series. But sometimes publishers will do it, you know, even if you're in the same house, if you're starting a new series, you know, maybe they want to try a new name just to see if they can play with the numbers a bit. Um, if people think it's a new author, there's a lot of reasons why they do it. I'm not privy to a lot of them. I've heard a lot of conversation about it, but I, I do know that there are, there are different ways that a publisher and a sales department will, will kind of look at how a name is doing and, and figure out if they want to do something different. So a writer can have, an author can have, you know, as many as uh, a lot of names. I mean, I don't think there's really a limit to how many different pen names they can use. And so when you're approached with that, what's your initial thoughts when, that, the, say, the first time that happened? They said, you know, we, we love this. We want to take this on. We want to pay you money to write it, <laughs> of course. But is it like, okay, that sounds fine, or you understand? Or is it something like, wow, you know, I spent all this time trying to build up my, my name and my brand? Yeah, no, it, it honestly didn't bother me. So I actually never thought I would use my my original name, publishing, just because my last name is very hard to say. But when I signed my first contract, it sort of happened so fast. It just happened that way, and I didn't I didn't change it. So um, I had always planned to use a pen name on, in some way, shape, or form, and I actually had this already picked out. So Conti was my grandfather's name, so I, I knew that you know if I had the opportunity to choose a pen name, that I would want to use his name. Oh, very good. Very good. Well, that's good. And I like that. I like I like that. It's not something that it's a very catchy name, but also it has real meaning. It's a family family name as well. 
Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your writing and your writing styles. Uh, do you typically come up with an idea and a concept saying, okay, hey, this would be a great fictional book, but also we could turn this into a series. Like you said, you put together a proposal for the next next series or continuation. Or is it more of you just get an epiphany and start writing and say, hey, this sounds pretty good or this doesn't. We're going to put that on the shelf. Yeah. So for this, for, for Cozy Mysteries, which is this genre that I'm currently writing in, usually the books come in two or three book deals. So I'm thinking, you know, when I'm starting either a series or a new installment in the series, that there's going to be more than one. So you, you've got to kind of plan ahead, right? You, you have to kind of think about character arcs and where you eventually want your main character to end up not only physically, but emotionally and mentally as well. So there's always that to think about when putting these sorts of books together. For other things that I've written, you know, I've got a suspense novel I'm working on in the wings. It's been kind of in progress for a really long time. That was kind of born out of an idea, a conversation I overheard. And, you know, that's something I just sat down and started writing. I don't have a contract for that yet. It's still kind of in process, but that definitely came from an idea. Whereas these series are more, it either starts with, for me, the location or the main character. That's usually kind of where I start formulating the stories. And then from there, thinking through where I want, how I want them to grow and develop over a certain number of books. And so when you're contemplating you're, and you're starting to write all these things, do you typically work on something and then set it aside until an opportunity comes along where a uh, publishing house is interested in it? Or is it something where it's like, okay, I've worked that enough. I've got something else that piques my interest. I want to start writing on that. Yeah. So I've been really, really blessed with, you know, once when I, my very first Cozy Mystery came out in 2013 and I have been not without a contract since then. So I've been kind of humming along with these two series that I, both the Kate Conti series and these previous series that I mentioned. The other ideas that are in my head, you know, I'm really just trying to make time to sit down and work on them. I also work a day job, so I have to kind of manage my time pretty well. Yes, and that's the challenge of it. I, you know, at least from my standpoint as well, you've got so many uh, projects in hand, and even if you're just focusing, you know, a majority of your time on writing, you know, you've got the book, you've got the next book, and then you know, you're for me at least, you know, I'm writing articles for uh, magazines and other publications as well, and so trying to keep all those balls in the air and get things done is challenging, and let alone have a day job. It really is. I mean, there are days when you just don't feel like doing anything, you know, after working a nine hour day or something. And, you know, like right now I have a book due July 1st. I'm not done yet. <laughs> and I'm well aware they're two weeks away, but I'm trying to, you know, get up early in the morning and work before I start working. And then, you know, after I hang up with you, I'm going to go back and, you know, work for another couple of hours. But yeah, it, it can get challenging. And sometimes you're just as sick of staring at a computer screen. You don't want to think about the next idea. Yay. For a couple days anyway. That's right. Yay. Another deadline writer like me. Great. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best way to be, right? <laughs> it is. That's worked for me all those years. It, I barely passed through college that way as well, so it worked out all right. Because <laughs> you know, I've, I've talked to authors. You know, typically, do you think you are a typically a deadline type writer, or is it uh, because there's so much other stuff to do and, and you got to pay the bills, etc.? Or or did you try at one time being a dedicated get up at four thirty every morning and write for an hour type of, of writer? You know, I try to be that, and I do try to do a word count every day, depending on where I am in the book. Um, usually when I'm dra- you know, in the middle of the, the big draft, it's, it's more about word count. Right now, it's more about trying to make sure there's a story in all the words. But I, you know, I've always been a master procrastinator. I remember back in school, you know, I, my father will never forget this story, but I was, I think it was a sophomore, I was taking geometry, and 
the night before the final, I asked him because he was a mathematician and I was not. And so the night before the final, I asked him if he could help me study. And he said, sure, what do you want to look at? And I said, well, it's a whole book. <laughs> he said, um, really? <laughs> what have you been doing the whole year? But that's just kind of how I roll. And I know it's not good, and but I always make it work. Exactly. Um, so, it, and I'll never forget. Also, my one there was one book in my prior series that I was really down to the wire, and I just a lot of things had happened, and I just wasn't done, and it needed to be turned in. And the morning that you know I had, I had pushed my extension to the limits, and the morning it was due, I still didn't have the last two chapters done. And I got up at three o'clock that morning and I wrote the end and I didn't even know if it was any good. I turned it in and my editor wrote back and this is the only time he had ever done so. He wrote back and said, oh my God, I love the ending. It was fabulous. <laughs> it was really, you know, bad because now I'm like, oh, maybe if I just get up at three o'clock in the morning every time and finish the book, it'll be great. So Exactly. Fuel for the fire. I laugh at that, but that's the type of, uh, of writer I am as well. It's, it's- how I handled uh, all the college years, et cetera, as well. And, uh, you know, it's to me, though, it, knowing that there's a certain deadline, even if I'm approaching it quickly, that's when really my juices start flowing. You know, I start getting real excited about it and things start to flow naturally. And, and perhaps I, you know, I like to believe at least it's some of my best writing. Yeah. I just start crying and figure at some point between the tears, I'll, I'll find my way. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, tell the book, Telltale Heart. Tell everybody where they can go uh, find a copy of it, get a copy of it, because they're going to love it. If they haven't gotten already into the to the series, pick up the other books in the series as well. But where can they find it? Where can they find out what's going on with you and how to keep track of all the wonderful stuff you've got going on? Yeah, absolutely. So it's out June 28th, and it will be available anywhere you can find books. So hopefully in your local bookstore or Amazon, Barnes & Noble, as well as the other two. And you can find me at kateconti.com, as well as I also blog with um, five other women. We blog at The Wicked, so we're The Wicked Authors, so wickedauthors.com. You'll find our blog every day, and I hope you come over and join us. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll get all that posted so everybody will have that at hand. Everybody pick up a copy of uh, Telltale Heart. Pick up the other parts of the series as well so you can keep track of everything that's going on. But each book stands on its own, so you're going to love uh, love Telltale Heart if you just start with that one as well. But thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Thanks for letting us pick your brain a little bit. Good luck with everything, and uh, we'll look forward to chatting with you somewhere down the road. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh, well, we're coming to the end of the show today. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. I want to thank our producers and sponsors for making this show possible. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, ideas for the show, you can email us at PetLifeRadio.com. And while you're there, check out all the uh, wonderful authors and shows. It's a plethora of great entertainment. Uh, so check out everybody while you're there as well. So until next time, write a great story about the uh, animals in your life. Put it in a blog, an article, a book, and who knows? You may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.